Welcome everyone to another episode of the Coach's Box. I'm your host, Coach JP3, here with the real Coach K and Coach Natty T. We got a full slate ahead of you know ahead of you as usual. That's because that's what we do here. Uh, we have a little bit of uh, yeah. We, we have to get Coach K's picks. You know, you're the only coach that hasn't chimed in with your picks for this weekend for the NFL. Um, we have some boxing UFC talk. Um, definitely want to show love there and some really critical topics, especially from a fan perspective. And then we're going to end with some NBA because, you know, there's never a boring day in the NBA. Uh, before we get into things, uh, we would be remiss if we didn't pay uh, respect to um, the late Hank Aaron, who passed away, uh, 86 years old. And though he was, you know, before our generation, uh, we did grow up hearing about him and, and his legacy um, on and off the field. Uh, and so just to share with you, listeners who are not familiar with, with Hank Aaron, uh, 755 home runs, second all-time, 2,297 RBIs, that's number one all-time, uh, 2,174 runs scored, that's tied for fourth all-time. He's a 25-time All-Star, 25-time All-Star, 1957 National League MVP, 1957 World Series champ, three-time Golden Glove, two-time batting champ, and of course, you can tell by all those stats, he's a Hall of Famer uh, with over 3,000 hits. And so like just all those things put together uh, and being something that he wasn't even, you know, and especially in the time that he grew up, he, in high school, he didn't have any black, there weren't any black teams that were, you know, he was able to play for within his high schools. Uh, and so he, he you know, went uh, to the Negro League and was finally able to get into MLB and as we talked about on, uh, um, on uh, with uh, Brad Johnson from the Miami Marlins, you know the the Negro League was just recognized by Major League Baseball, and so that and so he actually got a little bit uh, of a, a later start in the professional realms than some folks at that time, and was still able to accomplish all of this. When he was about to break um, Babe Ruth's record, he received death threats because of it. Like that's just you know the kind of stuff that he went through where he had to. Re- receive that hate every day he would get thousands of hate mail uh, a day and still persevered and still um, performed and still performed and still you know was a good human being uh, so we talk about how hard it is when you're not surrounded by good humans at times that you could still be a good human um, to people and so I just wanted to say you know a few words pay respects for us to give thanks to, to him uh, for his legacy that he left for us, that we are, he was very much an activist as well. Um, and so my challenge for people is that everyone talks about how nice he was and that no matter how much hate he received, he still was uh, very nice and pleasant and they appreciated that. Uh, I just want to make sure that people recognize that that's not the only way you know, that you can go about things. That when you receive hate, some people are more vocal than others. Some people are going to stand up for their rights even more than others. Some people are going to let you know on the spot that that's not okay that you're going through, that, you know, that they're, they're being treated like this. So let's not make that the only way that we can be a good human. But Hank Aaron showed us one way for sure, uh, but it's not the only way. So for all of those people that are, are fighting day in, day out, that are marching, that are protesting, that are fighting for their jobs, that are doing all those things, they're, they're doing it well too, and they need to be respected as well. Okay. 
Um, so with that being said, we're going to go ahead and move on to the, to the beef of our show here. So, Coach K, we got two big games this weekend, man. Sure do. Yeah, yeah. So we want to hear which, uh, your picks. We'll start in the NFC. So we have uh, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay um, going to Lambeau Field to play the Packers. Who do you have in this one? Man, <clears throat> I got to go with the team I think is the hottest of the two. <clears throat> I mean, I understand um, Tampa Bay defense when you got Ndamukong Sue, other people out there, decent pass rush, but I got to I got to go with uh I got to go with the Packers, man. Like nobody can do what uh, Aaron Rodgers can do right now in the NFL. Sorry for maybe uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, but I don't know. I'm all about <clears throat> I'm all about narrative, and to me, the narrative that makes most sense is uh, is Green Bay Packers for this one. Yeah, it's it's very interesting in this one as you talk about narratives and stories, and sometimes you sit back and say something's just meant to be. Like this story is meant to end this way. Mm-hmm. Two colliding stories. You have Aaron Rodgers, who's like, we need we needed a divisional championship and and uh, Lambeau Field. Well, he's got that, uh, and, and his 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 plight to be you know one of the greatest of all times. He's on that road. That story is being mm-hmm. used right now, in an MVP season. Then you have Tom Brady, you know, winning the divorce right now. Uh, you know, with the Patriots not even making the playoffs and they're struggling even with Cam Newton as their quarterback to get to pull things together. And now you have Tom Brady in his forties and a new team with new weapons in the NFC championship game. So this story, there's a story that kind of looks like it's written for him too. Like, okay, this makes sense too. (laughs) So you have both of these stories entering the same field this weekend on Sunday. And if they make it, it'll be the first team to, First home team to play in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And Tampa, what that would be wild. Absolutely wild for that to happen. So there's a lot going on there. Okay, so you got the Packs and NFC. We're going to jump over to the AFC. And we have the Buffalo Bills. Finally getting back to, to the early 90s Buffalo Bills as far as their progress in the playoffs. But they have a tough task against Patrick Mahomes. Do you think Buffalo gets it done, or do you think Kansas City's going to go to a back-to-back Super Bowls? I don't think Buffalo's going to get it done. I mean, I think getting getting to the championship, <clears throat> um, just getting to the championship game is is a uh, improvement enough. I mean, because considering where they've come from, like when Rex Ryan was the head coach, so um, you know, I mean, kudos to them. But I don't know. I think. Uh, Patrick Mahomes got okay to play, so I'm ex- I'm ex- I don't think he's gonna have a big like regular uh, Patrick Mahomes game, but I'm expecting him him to to do enough to get the job done. So you got the pack, you got the yeah. So you and I are the same in that, and I yeah. and another show. I was not very confident in my Packers pick only because I don't like betting against Tom Brady. <laughs> Uh, right, but maybe more heart overhead, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Certainly gonna be I think we all got the same picks. I think we oh, do. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Because I, I had the all Packers right. in, uh, in Kansas City, too. Oh, I thought you had the Bucks. My bad. Okay, you had the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
No, I mean, I was close because, like you said, like I, you know, I don't like betting against Tom Brady in the playoffs, but I don't know. I just, like you said, with Aaron Rodgers, I just think he got to, he's got to get it done, man. Yeah. Everything's set up for him this time. Like you yeah. got, there's no, there's no excuses this time. None. The, the only thing that concerns me is the Packers defense. That's the biggest concern for me, but um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just figuring, you know, <laughs> it will be interesting to see how this little rival, rival, rivalry plays out between uh, Sue and uh, Rogers. But um, I, I ask, that's what I'm wanting to see. Just I want to see like how they, <clears throat> you know, how Sue goes after him and and just kind of like the, you know, the performance Rogers will give. Like I think that'll kind of, I think I think it's going to be a big game. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm I'm trusting that Rodgers, like he's going to prove like why I think he's one of the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he he certainly has a lot of things in his favor right now. Antonio yeah. Brown not going to be able to make uh, play on Sunday. So that takes away one of Brady's weapons, but they, they are deep at right receiver. So I guess if there's a position where they could lose someone, it would be right receiver. Um, but we'll see if that is more uh, impactful than a lot of people think. Some people say it's not going to be that big of a deal. But if I look at Jair Alexander kind of taking away one of your targets, and so now you're relying more on uh, Scotty Miller um, and, and the rookie who is named. I forget right now, but he's, he's a good right receiver, good young right receiver, but is, is he going to be able to, to, to perform and be dependent, um, dependent on in these big moments? And so those are questions we don't have answers to yet. Uh, I look at Mike Evans there. He always seems to tweak something in the middle of a game, but he'll make a big play too. Uh, so I want to see where Jair is going to la- uh, line up. Is he going to be the one that's going to try to take Evans out of the game or is he going to just shut down Godwin? Uh, and just say, well, you have one major weapon to throw it to. Go ahead and throw it to him because you're not going to be able to throw it on this side of the field. Uh, so we'll see. And the Smith brothers going to have to be able to get to get some pressure on Brady. You get him off his spot, most likely he's going to rush some passes and make some mistakes. So we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So your picks are locked in. You are committed to those. Signed with blood. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to uh, transition into boxing. So boxing, you know, we we haven't really talked about boxing since our first uh, episode, really. Um, first uh, one or maybe one or two episodes. But there's a lot going on in the world of boxing. And uh, people wonder why is it not as popular of a sport as some of the other major sports when they think of major sports. You don't think of boxing as one of those. But boxing is something that happens in a lot of different countries. It's a part of the Olympics. You know, it has all this, it has a lot of money behind it, but yet it still doesn't have um, the gravitas that a lot of the other sports have. So the first question I'm going to ask, and Coach Knight T, we'll start with you. Would boxing benefit from having a universal commissioner like Dana White is to the UFC? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it would. I mean, it's never going to happen, but <laughs> it's nice to brainstorm. But I think it would just from a fan perspective. Um, I think a lot of it is just the Floyd effect. 
is what really has affected or just influenced boxing how it is now because a lot of the boxers have more control over who they fight, when they fight, where they fight. Um, obviously, the, the split in uh, the actual earnings that they have for each fight, which is, you know, I don't have a problem with per se because, again, just like with all the other sports, like, you know, they're the ones putting their bodies out there on the line. So, you know, they can have more control over, you know, the elements of the fight, you know, so be it. But I do think there is a just a level of competition, just a level of uh, competitiveness that each fighter should have. Right. And like, for example, with uh, well, Errol Spence, like, as he's fighting Manny Pacquiao next, supposedly, mm-hmm. not officially yet. And am I going to watch it? Yes, I'm a boxing fan, so I'm going to watch it. But at the same time, it's like, dude, I don't, like, you need to be fighting Bud Crawford next. <laughs> yeah, let, let's, let's, and I know there's been some back and forth, and, you know, obviously Bob Arum is involved, and, you know, there's always the, like, the Cold War negotiations, if you will, the little, <laughs> you know, subliminal shots that they take at each other during the negotiations. And, and again, I, I understand that that's part of the gamesmanship of boxing. But at the end of the day, like, especially in a sport like boxing, I mean, overall in all sports, but again, especially a sport like boxing, like it should just come down to like, look, he's a champ. I'm a champ. I think I'm better than him. Let's get in the ring and figure out who the better man is, period. Right. You know, it shouldn't just be, it shouldn't always come down to all this little political back and forth. And I think that's what gets annoying sometimes. Um, And I think that's kind of hurt just somewhat of the, as you said, the gravitas and the momentum that boxing could have. Um, but again, this won't happen, but because <laughs> they just have talk about power, the boxers and the promoters right now just have, they have a lot of control of what happens. So I, I don't see them giving it up, but I, I just think it would be beneficial if you had just one kind of, at least maybe not one person, but you just had like a, a single governing body that kind of helps facilitate seeing the fights that people want to see. Yeah. So that's just my opinion on it. Absolutely. Coach K, did you want to chime in on this one, from a, especially from a fan perspective? Mm-hmm. I did. I do. Um, uh, I guess for me, because, um, like, what I remember back in the day was some of the overarching personalities that kind of, like, helped promote the fight. Like, I mean, everybody remembers Don King. So I just remember, um, I don't know. Like, I just you think about, like, a lot of, I feel like a lot of the older fighters too had like crossover appeal, like uh, crossover mainstream appeal. Like what I mean by that, like, you know, you have um, like Mike Tyson appeal to more than just, you know, boxing fans or like Muhammad Ali appeal to more than just, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, boxing fans. And, and same thing with Floyd Mayweather to a certain extent. And now, um, I don't know. I think that I think that if we had somebody that kind of, um, as Coach Natty T was saying, kind of just help facilitate some of the fights that you want to see, um, I believe that would kind of uh, garner garner well one garner more interest and and actually, as crazy as this might sound, like I I would even want to see like maybe maybe you could get somebody like a Snoop Dogg or something. 
uh, or I mean, I don't know if it has to be exactly that person, but like, you know, somebody that kind of adds some um, intrigue because, you know, I had no <laughs> I had no interest in seeing like, you know, Nate Robinson fight, but uh, through, <laughs> I'm not that going was to entertaining, man. It was entertaining, <laughs> I tell you. But I mean, like in most of those matches, though, like it was um, the entertaining part for me was just like listening to um, uh, Snoop Dogg's uh, just commentary. Like he was just absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what I think. Like if you get somebody in there that you know maybe they don't have to be somebody from the. I don't know. I'm I'm just looking for somebody that can help promote the fights and and. Um, you know, make it more mainstream because we see what Dana White's doing for the UFC. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that definitely does uh, um, that does wonders. So uh, I kind of agree. We do need to see some something along those lines. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you all on this one. I, I think there's a lot of things going on that rub me the wrong way about boxing. I, I love boxing. I've watched boxing since I was a kid. Uh, when Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson, for those who don't know, he's from Columbus, Ohio. So Buster Douglas came back to Columbus. They had like a big celebration for him. Uh, he, he visited a, a recreation center in Columbus and my dad was working there at the time. And I, I got some signed gloves and, and my dad got a picture with him and everything. Um, I work at a university and um, his son went to the university, um, Artie Douglas. And, and so we got to know each other. And so just boxing in general has been something that's always been attractive. I was there when Tyson bit Holyfield's, you know, you're, <laughs> I wasn't there, but I was watching, you know, I wasn't mm-hmm. watching. you know, just, just stuff like that. Uh, Lennox Lewis <laughs> fights, all those, that kind of stuff appeals to me because I think boxing has a beautiful art form attached to it that not all sports do. Uh, and because it's focused on the individual, you get to see the, the hard work and the adjustments that an individual makes uh, within, within a given game. Uh, and, and so I look at it in terms of, there's just too much subjectivity in boxing as well. Uh, you know, like the, the Pacquiao horn fight, I'm sitting here like, how does Pacquiao <laughs> not win that fight? I know it's in, it was in Australia in Horn's backyard, but if it's a true game, then it shouldn't make a difference like where the fight is. It should be who actually won the game, who won the fight at the time. The, the Pacquiao-Timothy um, Bradley fight, the first one, I'm sitting there like, how in the world does Bradley <laughs> win that fight? That, that makes no sense. You know, Pacquiao got his payback and everything like that, but still, like, those are – those are marks that are going on people's records. And two, two, you know, two for Pacquiao, I'm sitting here like, really, like, you're really going to have this? So I think there's just too much subjectivity to sometimes a lot of this watch boxing, we're like, the fighter who by the numbers won the fight actually didn't win the fight. How does that happen? Like, you know, what other types of sports does that happen? Like where you could do everything right and not win the fight. Uh, and then some of that goes into the politics, which I don't like about it. There's politics in the matchups that are getting set up and there's politics within the fight. So sometimes you hear commentators just talking about, well, they looked more aggressive. And so if they look more aggressive and they're the favorite, favorite to win anyway, then 
they have a really good chance of winning the fight. Well, you can look aggressive and not land a daggone thing. You can look aggressive and not be effective. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I just don't, I just don't like that part of boxing. Uh, and then to what you all said, a lot of times we don't get the fights we want. And if we do, we don't get them when we want them. And, and then that's a mistake that everyone was asking for, you know, Pacquiao Mayweather for years, years and years. We finally got it, but it was it was late, you know. But both of them were 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 older. They had you know taking more hits, you know. Pacquiao's hand wasn't right, you know, and so we didn't get the fight that we actually wanted to see. And especially in the sport that we're being asked to pay for the entertainment, then we don't want all of these obstacles. We don't want the politics. We don't want the uh, the, the 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 fights after people's primes. We don't want that kind of stuff. You know, but a lot of the purists, we love it. And so we will pay anyway. And so maybe that's that's part of the issue there. Um, but I think they have a real problem when it comes to those things. Uh, and then that leads into the second part of this is that, uh, you know, not only do you think would they benefit from a, a commissioner that is helping to get those things done quicker, because as soon as McGregor is like, OK, I'm ready to fight, then Dana White's like, OK, Poirier, where you at? Come on, we're going to put this together. And they get it done and they're fighting tomorrow. You know, so like that, that's, it's just really easy because that's what he knew the people wanted to see. Um, do you think boxing would also benefit from having an undisputed or universal champion in each of the weight classes? Uh, and so um, Coach K, if you want to chime in on that, do, do you think that they would benefit from having a universal champ in each weight class? I think so. I mean, there's no better way to determine who's the best than like a, a champion for each division. I mean, they do the same thing in the UFC. Um, <laughs> and I know, I know wrestling is fake. <laughs> wrestling is fake. Yeah. Beyond that. But I feel like when you have too many champions, it kind of causes like confusion, like, um, between the viewers as like who's really the best like you know I think there's more prestige when there's fewer belts and you have one 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 uh, champion per division that makes the most sense to me I'm 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 speaking in uh, practicality and like what makes sense you know like you have in the NBA NFL you have one season you have one MVP like you have one finals MVP, you don't have multiple, you don't have runners up, you have one. So that's that's my take on it. Gosh, Coach Nighty, where do you stand on this? Yeah, I'm with Coach K, and then I, I'm just gonna break down a few things because just to, <laughs> break just, down. yeah, I mean, just for <laughs> the you know people who aren't boxing fans, and I think this to Coach K's point, um, it, it kind of adds to the confusion. So. You know, boxing has a heavyweight division, mm-hmm. a cruiserweight division, which is, you know, around the 200-pound mark, light heavyweight division, super middleweight division, middleweight, light middleweight, welterweight, light welterweight, lightweight, super featherweight, featherweight, mm-hmm. super bantamweight, and then bantamweight, super flyweight, <laughs> flyweight. <laughs> Light flyweight, mini flyweight. So 
Straw weight. But that, I'm not even <laughs> right. I'm not it even is, done though. Weight class, 105 pounds is a straw. But that, that's not even the thing. And in each of those divisions that I just listed, there's what? Yeah, one, two, three, four, five different belts you can obtain. So there's the WBA, WBC, mm-hmm. IBF, WBO, and then there's the one called the ring, which isn't as, you know, whatever. So you can literally have, I mean, it's possible to have five different champions in each weight class. Yeah. It's possible, even though most of the time, um, you know, at least one or two fighters hold at least, you know, two or three of the belts at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, so piggybacking off of all of, all of that data, um, to, to co- and to Coach K's point again, I mean, I think if you just had, and really, with each weight class, I mean, those are a lot, a lot of weight classes. But I'm okay with those different weight classes. I just think if you just had one heavyweight champion, one cruiserweight champion, you know, one light heavyweight champion, one middleweight champion, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. just that one undisputed person that everybody knows. Okay, that's the champ, and. In the UFC, that's what you have. And obviously, UFC doesn't have as many divisions. Because let me see. Yeah, so they have a heavyweight, light heavyweight, middleweight, welterweight, lightweight, featherweight, bantamweight, flyweight. That's UFC. And there's one champion in each weight class. So, you know, when Conor McGregor McGregor is is, is, is strutting around, they know he's the champ. (laughs) That's the (laughs) guy. That's the guy, you know, Khabib, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. okay, he's the guy. Mm-hmm. John, you know, Jones Bones, you know what I mean? Like, oh, he's the heavyweight champion. Okay. And again, to Coach K's point with wrestling, I mean, we can laugh, but listen, we knew who the WWE champion was, you know, when it was The Rock, when it was Triple H, or the Stone Cold, like we knew that was the one heavyweight champ. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I think it would, I think it would do wonders for boxing. Um, but of course I, I don't see it happening, but, <laughs> and I, and then the other thing is to, to, uh, your point, coach JP three on the last question, because there's so many different divisions that adds to the political nature of mm-hmm. how the fights are set up. Sometimes who wins because, you know, each of these different organizations want to have a certain champion in there. So yep. they all have kind of have their own designated you know, judges that they assign to each match and all of that. So uh, to me, that adds to the, to the political firestorm or not firestorm, but the political confusion when it comes to certain fights as well. So yeah. I just think if you were just, if they could just all, cause I mean, it's not like you would be getting rid of all these people's jobs because yeah. you know, they, they still would have a role to facilitate all of these fights. But I just feel like if they could be able to unify one universal international boxing organization that recognizes all the different countries in the world all the fighters and then we just have one undisputed champ in each round or in each uh weight class i should say Mm -hmm. i think it would do wonders yeah i I think it would be fantastic and to provide even further details for your argument here is just give the the public some examples of what this could look like within a weight class uh, so, for instance, the middleweight class, so you're talking about 160 pounds here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, within that class, you have the WBO champion, Demetrius Andrade. 
mm-hmm. IBF, Triple G, mm-hmm. WBA, Ryota Morata, WBC, Jamal uh, Charlo. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you literally have four different champions <laughs> within each of those. And so when people talking about talk about like who's the best, it's like, well, you have four different guys here who are recognized as the best by each of these um, these uh, organizations here. So like, how do you actually figure out who's the best? And especially that's what makes the fans so hype. Like we got to get these guys to fight each other then. You know, right. yeah, four different guys. Like, at least, can, can we get like, you know, uh, uh, Andre and Marata to fight and Triple G and Charlo to fight. And then whoever wins those two fights, then they fight each other. Like that, that's just kind of how we're, Honestly, we're trained to watch the sports, but that's how it, we determine who's the best. It's like, let's give them a chance to fight each other. Uh, and then to make it even more confusing is that you can be a champion in different weight classes too. So like, <laughs> so the casual fan, it's hard for them to understand that, that if you go down just about six pounds to a junior middleweight, Jermail Charlo has three out of the four uh, undisputed within those because he has IBF, WBA, and WBC. Uh, Patrick Texiera has WBO. And so you're like, wait, wait. So he's the top in these three over here and three out of the four here, but only one out of the four in the other weight class. And then the welterweight is a 147. That's, that's, I, I, that's where the money is in my opinion, because that, that, that welterweight division is so deep and so talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have Terrence Crawford for WBO, you have Errol Spence for IVF, Manny Pacquiao for WBA and Errol Spence Jr. again for uh, WBC. And so everyone's like, Hey, this Spence Crawford thing got to happen. You know, this thing's got to happen. And are we ever going to be able to see that? And so how can you fight your career without fighting the next best guy to you and call yourself the best, especially because boxing has a bravado to it. As you talked about Conor McGregor strutting around the ring, he does that because he knows he's the best because he's beating everybody that they, you know, put up. He's the undisputed champ. He's undisputed. So it's like, how can you really flex in boxing if you haven't fought everyone? That's just as talented. That could be just as talented as you. Then you don't know that. So that's just very, um, I think, too much. It takes away, to your point, Coach K, it takes away some of the juice from the belts that you're earning. It really waters it down. Uh, and so, and I think it's actually a little bit unfair, to be completely objective, I think it's unfair to the heavyweights and the lightweight classes. Because if you're in the middle, as we saw it with Charlo and some of these other guys, you kind of work your way around a couple of these divisions and just like rack up belts. You know, I'll gain six pounds here for this fight. I'll lose six pounds here for that fight over there. So I can rack up multiple belts. When you ask who's the best fighter in, in, this, in boxing period, people don't bring up Tyson Fury. Because mm-hmm. dude's like, what, six, seven, six, nine, like in the ring, heavyweight. So he's not going to be able to fluctuate through all these different weight classes to take on these, these other guys who they call, you know, so like, I think it's very unfair to those. And it, cause you're not going to do that to your body. And a lightweight's not going to put all these pounds and say, Hey, I'm going to gain 30 pounds, 40 pounds to fight, uh, you know, uh, Deontay Wilder or somebody like that, you know, that that's not, that's not realistic. So I think there's a lack of mobility for heavyweights and lightweights. Um, yeah, and, and the confusion to the casual fan. And so what the NFL does a good job is that they bring in a lot of casual fans that they may not even know all the rules, but they love they love watching it and they understand enough of it where it makes sense to them. And so boxing has, has a little bit of, of work to do 
uh, when it comes to that. Um, so yeah, we're in agreement with those things. Um, we're going to transition to some NBA talk, our favorite stuff to talk about most like, yeah, most of the time. So Coach K, you put this in our group chat earlier this week, and I thought it was uh, very interesting. So they, you talked about the NBA uh, COVID-19 vaccinations and, and saying that, hey, we're, we're going to roll out some PSAs to encourage people to get the vaccine and stuff like that. So, you know, how, how do you feel about that? I don't agree with it. <laughs> I mean, it's just <laughs> to me, that's like it's like getting a memo from my boss and saying like a memo that would be telling me like, I mean, whether whether you agree with it or not, like I don't know. I guess it just depends on the player, but I think it should be the player's choice as to whether or not they um, um, whether whether or not they actually do that because. One, I think it's infringing on on players' rights, and then also, um, yeah, I feel like there's still a lot of unknowns with the vaccine. Um, and you know, we've heard you know, about people who've had like long term effects with COVID and whatnot. And I don't know, is there enough testing that's been done with the vaccine to really prove, um, you know, that it's that it's worth getting? Because I mean, I've heard I've heard some. Some mixed things about it. I mean, so even from from people that I know that have actually taken it too. So um, I don't know. I'm just I'm 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 not for it. Not for it at all. all right. Especially especially if you're. <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm. The Coach K side. <laughs> mm. <sighs> Y'all might have to come back to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not with it coach Natty T how do you feel about this um well I did a little bit more research on it um I think they from what I at least from what I saw from uh Adam Silver um I, it was just more of a talking out loud sort of a situation and I don't know if there it I didn't see anything with regards to them requiring players to do it mm-hmm. however excuse me however to coach k's point um i I just didn't like that he was discussing it out loud at this stage Mm -hmm. because it does put mostly your marquee players in a tough spot like your lebron james's your kds your steph's your you know pretty well the big three on the nets just to put all of them in there, right. uh, <laughs> you know, and and your LeBrons and uh, and all of that. I, I think it, it puts them in a tough spot because, you know, say if they're really not comfortable taking it yet, but they're doing these PSAs to, you know, increase the American public confidence in in taking it, and more specifically the African American community. And taking it, um, I, I just think it puts them in a tough spot if they really don't feel comfortable, you know, taking the vaccine yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I take me for for example. I mean, my I'm, I mean, I'm fortunate enough that my <laughs> I mean, most of my family are medical professionals, whether nurses, doctors, mm-hmm. or whatever. So, uh, and again, my my lovely wife is is a nurse, so she she deals with with COVID on a daily basis. But um, even even she has concerns. I mean, I think she, you know, when we talk about it, she trusts the science. Right. She doesn't think there's any backdooring that was done. It's just, you know, with normally how vaccines are done, it takes a lot of time to really see the true effects of it 
long-term for one. Um, and then two, they don't really know if it, if it necessarily prevents the transmission of COVID-19. They know obviously it helps you, the individual that gets it from, you know, being on or getting COVID in a bad sense, like in terms of if you get it, you're in the hospital and just like, you're just wiped out. Right. And of course, we know with COVID, it just kind of depends on who gets it. They really haven't figured out why it hits certain people a certain way, why it hits other people a certain way. So I think there's just still a lot of unknowns with regards to that as to come out and say, oh, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and have these PSAs and have our players take the, take the vaccine. Um, and then the other part of it, too, is they didn't talk about a time frame, but you know, we see what's going on even around the world with the distribution of it. Um, it hasn't really clicked as how we anticipated it would. So from an NBA perspective, how does that look if NBA players are just getting the vaccine while, you know, the normal person can't get one? Right. You know, I mean, me personally, that's life. The, the rich and powerful people can afford to get things quicker than what I would. <laughs> so I, you know, I just accept that fact, but there's a lot of people out there that's going to be upset about that. Right. So, you know, you just kind of openly talking about it. I don't, you know, I don't know if that was a good idea. I think it's okay for them to have that conversation privately, but for them to actually bring that up publicly, I think it's a bit premature. So that's just my overall thoughts on it. Yeah, I, I definitely, hear what both of you are saying there and I don't have much to add to this I I hope it doesn't come to a point where something is mandated upon players I I'm, I'm not a big fan of that kind of stuff especially when it comes to putting something in your body uh like to your point uh coach Knight, we haven't seen what ramifications could be from this um that it cannot be as effective as we're thinking it could be and as something that's trying to sell to to the black um, to black citizens that have had their struggles trusting medical professionals in general, so we hear about it all the time. You know, black women not being taken seriously when they go to the doctors um, when they're talking about stuff that's happening in their body when they're talking about pain tolerance and stuff like that. Um, there isn't that that type of empathy that's shown there. You look at the Tuskegee experiments that have had, you know, that that happened and and how they used to test on black people and, and stuff like that. And so you think uh, this was a, a an emergency type of situation. This was kind of pushed out there. And we're like, wait, do we really know if this is good for us or not? You know, and so there's a lot of reluctancy and I'm not gonna say it's, it's solely black people, some black people, you know, there's other communities out there fully acknowledge their, their reluctancy as well. You brought up the access issue, which is, I think is huge, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's, you know, you're going to encourage something that not everyone is able to do that we haven't made accessible to everyone. Uh, but we stress how important it is. You need to do this. You need to do this. But we're not going to make sure you have access to it. You know, what type of message does that send as a country? Uh, and then if the NBA is co-signing on that message, that makes them look really bad. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree with those, those points. Uh, Coach K, any last words before we move forward? <laughs> um. I feel like if I say, say too much more, I'll be getting too much in the weeds, but 
I feel, I feel like there's just like this strong push for everybody to get the vaccine and then that everything will go back to normal. When in fact, it, we don't know that. Like, like you know, as you, as as you guys have said, like there's some things that's unproven here, and you know, it's just like I don't know, like how I've kind of felt over the past couple weeks is you know maybe covid just becomes like another regular part of life i mean to i mean you really have to kind of prepare yourself for you know um different scenarios and so i mean that's 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 what i'm kind of looking at right now too but you know i mean i i I hope for the best but you know it's it's like i don't know Uh, i think we i think we need to kind of take our time with this and kind of like slow walk it through and and not and not have to um, have unnecessary pressure to to you know go out and do something. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely hear that. That's I think that's a good point. Is everyone's talking about back to normal, back to normal, back to normal. And I mean, for some of us, we don't want to get back to normal because the normal wasn't really good for us in the first place. You know, some <laughs> communities are feeling normal. Yeah, what uh, is normal? <laughs> but, but define normal. Like, your normal, my normal, may be two different types of normals. And I didn't like mine, so I don't, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know. So that's I, that's how some people feel. And then other countries have just made it as part of their. That's part of their daily lives. That you go out to markets and stuff like that to stores, and you'll just see people with masks on because that's just been part of that's been embedded into the culture for various reasons. Uh, I see that as being part. of of us for the foreseeable future that even if let's just say we're middle of August, we'd be like, okay, let's, our numbers are way, 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 way down. People aren't dying anymore, whatever that case may be. Even if we get to that point, I think there's going to be a lot of us that step back and say, you know what? Well, I'm like with the progress that I'm seeing, I'm still putting on my mask when I go out, even if it's not mandated, I'm, I'm still going to protect myself. Mm-hmm. So I, I can see people just, just doing that. for the I ain't gonna front like, I you know twenty twenty two. I'm still probably gonna wear a mask a little bit just to mm-hmm. you know just to be yeah. safe. But I, but I, again, I'm not a medical professional. But I think even if you look at the flu vaccine, right? I mean that that doesn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily stop the the spread exactly. of getting the flu. Right. Right. It yeah. just helps. So if you do catch it or you know something like that, you're not as affected by it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to your point, I think COVID is just going to be a, pow- a part of our daily lives. Mm-hmm. And I think it will be one of those things where, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it affects, you know, sports going forward and even more so, you know, concerts and restaurants. And mm-hmm. will we ever, you know, see that whole like at capacity, just a rush of people in one place? I don't know how soon we'll see that, even if everybody, because I think, you know, with, with Dr. Fauci, that's all he said, uh, you know, the herd immunity is like, what, 75 or 80% for the public or whatever. So even if that, even if you get to that point, I mean, like you said, I think there's still going to be some people that, that will wear a mask and just, just kind of just play it safe mm-hmm. for a little bit longer and then go from there. So, yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot of variables. So we'll, yeah, I guess we'll see how things turn out. We will. We will. Um, so not only do we have, you know, health impacting the NBA and, and going through the media, uh, 
we have our old friend Kyrie Irving. Yeah. We talked a lot about on the show. We love Kyrie. You know, I, I, we talk about him a lot, but I, I think we try to talk about it in a very humanizing, objective perspective that, hey, we still respect him as a, as a human being, as a contributor to society, because he's done a lot of great things. But <laughs> just got done talking about him not just Are not playing not? games and he just say, I don't feel like clocking in anymore. I'm just not going to do this. And then the hard <laughs> trade happens and then he's like, okay, I'm ready to play. All right. <laughs> you know, and, and, and they're taking turns, uh, you know, resting and stuff like that. So uh, KD's resting tonight. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, they've kind of taken, we've seen Harden and, and, and uh, KD in the lineup at one time. And I think we just had one game with all three of them yep. uh, so far. But uh, what, do you, what do you make of Kyrie's kind of actually like quiet return? Like, okay, yep, I'm ready to play uh, to, to the Nets. You know, how, how, uh, Coach Knight T, we'll start with you. Well, uh, I have two parts to this. So there's the off the court part. Because, um, you know, we've, our past shows are well documented. Um, but really, I wanted to see what he had to say to the media when he came back. I like what he had to say. Um, I thought the fact that he, you know, he said he apologized to his teammates. I like that because I think there's an acknowledgement of, hey, I have to be responsible for my own actions. And really, that was the biggest problem I had with it. Yes. You know, over the past couple of weeks, because the way I'm looking at it, like, and just being on teams myself, obviously a different sport, but, you know, it's a team sport. Again, if, if he, and I'll take him at his word as far as him saying it was a family issue. I know people have alluded to, obviously there's rumors of other stuff. Mm. You can laugh about that. <laughs> but uh, some people thought because of the timing, because it was around January 6th, you right. saw the events that happened on, on Capitol Hill. Some people thought it was related to that. But I'll, you know, take him at his word and say, he said it was a family issue, so... I'll take him at his word as the family issue. Um, the only problem I had with it was, and thinking from a teammate perspective, is that's fine if you got family issues, right? Like I have no problem with that. But for him to just text basically KD and I think DeAndre Jordan, because that's his two closest friends on the team, yeah. like just a few hours before the game, just be like, man, I can't, I can't make it tonight. Like, you know, I got some stuff going on. I mean, I would feel some kind of way about that because I'm just like, dude, like, you could at least just tell us. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, like the whole, like all the players, like you yeah, know, like you know, we have yeah. a group chat, right? Like you could yeah. just tell all of this. You know what I'm saying? Like that, like that. That's my only thing. I just think he should have been at least a little bit more, more of an adult, a bit more, just just have some sort of courteous or some. Uh, just some professional courtesy, I should say. That's the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, like, you know, that they're your teammates. They're not your family. But, you know, when you're playing on a team like that and you see these guys every day and you go through training camp and you're out there playing. And listen, we all have, everybody on this earth has personal issues. Yeah. To varying degrees, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, and we still come to work every day. So, you know, but again, if he really needed that time and that he alluded to, you know, his mental health being a big part of it. And again, this is 2000 or <laughs> this 2021. So I know in the past, 
know, sometimes, especially in the black community, mentioning having those issues, sometimes that's perceived as weakness. But, you know, listen, now those things are different now. So I think if he would have came to his team and said, like, look, I guys, I really need like a mental health break. Like, I'm not at my best right now. That's perfectly fine. But just 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 give me a heads up, man. Like, don't be like a couple hours before the game. Like, oh, yeah, where's Kyrie? Oh, I don't know. Oh, where's Kyrie? Oh, yeah, he said he can't come. Okay, is he coming back? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> That's and I think him apologizing to his team, I think there's an acknowledgement of that. Yeah. And he talked about having the balance of dealing with the emotions of life and you know, doing your job. Mm-hmm. So I've always mentioned I think there's still his heart is always in the right place, but there's still like a, a maturity issue there with him. So I think exactly. he's still trying to figure out those how to nuance and how to navigate those issues there. And he mentioned that. So mm-hmm. I like I like what he said. And again, I just hope, you know, going forward, you know, he's where he needs to be mentally and he can play basketball. Um, on the basketball court uh, from Wednesday night's game, um, it didn't surprise me that, you know, he came back and did his thing. He's Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Phenomenal. Um, the one thing I did see and I think, you know, there's on TV, they've kind of alluded to this a little bit. I think his, the amount of shots that he takes, I think they're going to need to figure that out a bit because it was very uh, (laughs) Russell Westbrook-like, dare I say. Not that he's the same player, but in terms of the shot, the the amount of shots that he took, because he's going to hit more of his shots because he's more of an efficient scorer than than Russell Westbrook. But still, I just think within the flow of the offense, because you saw when uh, KD and uh, James Harden, it was just those two and the rest of the team, it seemed to flow a little bit better. It did. It did. Um, Now, they still put up a ton of points Wednesday night. And again, I wasn't surprised by that, but – the flow wasn't there. And again, that's it was the first game. So I'm not expecting everything to run perfectly. But I do see um, you know, they're going to have to work out those kinks on offense. And then obviously, obviously the defense, they're going to have to figure that out. Um, I think they're going to need it. They should try to get another big. Um, I know uh, there was talk of JaVale McGee being available with the Cavs. I mean, if I were them, I would try to see if I could you know, pick up another athletic big. I think they're missing Jared Allen a little a bit more than what they thought. Yep. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what, what happens going forward. But but yeah, overall, I mean it's good to see Kyrie back. Again, I hope his mentally he is where he is. Um, and again, I like what he had to say to the media because I think he there was an acknowledgement of okay, I know I'm a basketball player, I know I'm a big activist off the court, but I do play basketball for a living. And I should be able to show up. Or if I'm not going to show up, I should at least give proper notice to my superiors or even my teammates to say, hey, I need some time. Me just texting two players and it's not showing up for two weeks. Like, that's not cool. So, I mean, I don't think he would appreciate it if uh, they had some issues with the checks. Right, exactly. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, is you, and again, not to, Going back to Jackie McMullen, that that snippet we talked about last week, you're not a slave to the organization. You're not the property of the organization. But, I mean, listen, like, we're all employed Black men on the show. 
Mm-hmm. Let us let us just be like, you know what? I'm not gonna show up for two weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. See if you have a paycheck. <laughs> and so, our bosses hit us up like, where where you at? Where like, you at? Oh, you didn't you didn't talk to uh, Kenny? Yeah. <laughs> Kenny, you didn't tell you didn't tell the boss we was I wasn't going to show up to work today. That's what I'm saying. They're yeah. gonna look at us like, why couldn't you just tell me that? Like, right, that, handle business, handle business. Exactly. Exactly. If you need a, if you really have some that much issues going on, just just tell me like an adult. Being a man, be an adult. Yeah. Be like, hey, just communicate properly. That's all I'm saying. That's it. But you know, we'll see how things progress going forward but that that's that's my welcome back Kyrie thoughts gotcha coach K what are your welcome back Kyrie thoughts what do you think about Kyrie and the net so far um I think <laughs> I don't know like like I don't like for me that's for me and my house. I, I, honestly, it's like I don't, I don't love. I know you say you, we love Kyrie. I don't love Kyrie. I love, I respect Kyrie. Don't love him. Okay. For a few different reasons, but um, I think that, as I said before on the last show, I didn't really have a problem with them, you know, taking off. Um, I mean, it, look, do do as you need to do. Um, as long as you win the games, like if I'm your boss, like that's that's what I care about. It's like winning games, and getting the championship. Now, uh, losing to the Cavs, yeah, <laughs> I didn't expect that, <laughs> but I mean, it was the first game where all three of them were playing together, so they still got some things to figure out. Um, I mean, his. I don't know. Kyrie's kind of a weird dude because uh, I saw I saw the little press conference <laughs> he did, man. I was just like, yeah, like me looking, me looking. Okay, so yeah, he did apologize to his teammates and everything, but me looking at it, I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Cause I mean, but I think that's just his personality. Well, you didn't believe what he had to say, or you just you thought he was kind of putting it on a little bit, or I think I'm putting it on a little bit. But I, I don't know. Like I think there's more to the situation than than what meets the eye, um, you know. So um, I'm glad to see them back. But now I'm just I want to see like if they can handle a team like Philly. I mean, with um, <clears throat> with Joel and B, like how he's been playing. Right. Um, that's kind of like that's like what what um the questions i kind of have is you know if if you have like a talented big such as him like what are you going to do to be able to stop him if you can't even stop (laughs) if you can't even stop the Cavs from putting up 147 points Mm -hmm. um trying to see here um i guess as far as like how they're going to work this thing out i think i think we're gonna have to see more of the uh um Kyrie and Harden duo, like, see how they kind of um, play together um, and see how that works out. Obviously, he's going to have to take less shots, but um, I don't know. They, they, We're just getting started. We've got a long season, so I think they'll get it figured out by the time the playoffs roll around. Yeah. I think they'll have the offense figured out by the time the playoffs roll around. <laughs> Defense, like, 
And like Colin Sexton had a, an amazing game, like 42 points. And it wasn't that Kyrie was playing bad defense either. Like there are several shots, if you watch the clips, that Kyrie's right in his face. Dude was just making the shots. But overall, to your point, Coach, Coach K, they did give up 147 points there. Uh, when we did this, when we talked about this last, I said their biggest loss in the trade was Jared Allen. And I understand that they lost some scoring in there, but I was like, well, Harden's going to replace that, no problem. But when you can get a, a younger version of DeAndre Jordan to play, and then you still had DeAndre Jordan to just, you know, come off the bench and kind of do some similar things, but able to, to play more minutes in the longevity of the season. And that's what I'm concerned about is DeAndre Jordan's ability to perform through a long season. Uh, we really haven't seen that, that in, a, in a minute. We haven't seen him sustain that in a minute at this age. And he's not like super old, but he has some NBA miles on him. He has a lot of NBA miles on him. So, but Jared Allen, you didn't really have to worry about that. So we, we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, I I like the apology and I don't know if it was 100% genuine, but that's not up for me to decide. You know, that's that's between uh, him and his employer. That's, they good, that's that's all that matters. And he ain't gotta, you know, please us as fans, for sure. But, you know, we talk about this building some momentum in the NBA and bringing this star power, but yet to our next topic is, is the future of the NBA in some doubt here? Uh, as far as popularity is concerned, faces of the league, et cetera. We'll start with you, Coach Natty T. Uh, do you think that the future of the NBA is in doubt? Do they have anything to be worried about? I do. Um, and I've sort of alluded to this on past shows, but because the way I look at it is your, you know, United States, you know, audience and you have your global audience. Um, but, you know, obviously the, the U.S. audience is, is, your, is your biggest moneymaker. Um, so I do think, I do see some potential issues going forward. Um, and even we just talked about Kyrie, right? I mean, guy <laughs> just didn't show up for two weeks. I mean, you know, I mean, that, that's just kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, think if he was the face of the league, like, that's not a good look. <laughs> Um, because again, the way I, I view it is we've discussed this on, on group chats before, but you know, obviously LeBron James is the face of the league right now. Um, but you know, God forbid he said, All right, you know, I'm good, I'm gonna go be a movie star, or you know, I'm gonna invest in some Bitcoin and <laughs> do whatever LeBron <laughs> wants to do. <laughs> you know, if he just said, You know what, I'm good, I'm out. <clears throat> who would really take up that mantle? Because the crazy thing about it, the ironic thing about it is the fact that you have a LeBron James, it allows Kyrie to go on a hiatus for two weeks. Yeah. He can do that. It allows KD to have this, and obviously Kyrie also, but KD more specifically, to have this, you know, combative relationship with the media. It allows him to do that. It allows a guy like Kawhi to be the silent assassin and not say anything and say two words and kind of do what he wants, right? Mm -hmm. When you have LeBron there, it allows those guys to do what they want to do. But you take LeBron away, I think the light shines a bit brighter on these other guys. And 
I don't think that's a good look for the NBA. Um, and I think you saw signs of it last year with what Adam Silver and, and the NBA tried to do with the whole bubble situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I wholeheartedly believe that they're putting a lot of their eggs in the Zion basket. They're hoping that he can pan out to be that next guy, that next face of the league, that next American face of the league. Um, and again, an example was that of with how they redid the schedule for the bubble. Yep. They literally had the Pelican schedule be the easiest schedule remaining in the bubble so they can get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They didn't get it done. Yeah. <laughs> so that should tell you something right there. But they're trying, they're they're trying to push that Zion narrative, right? I mean, he was already on the cover of 2K, right? I mean, not even playing a full season. Not even playing. Not even played a full season. He played what twenty something games. Yes. So you can see that they're really trying to push that narrative. Obviously, you have Giannis. Obviously, you have guys like Luca, who are up and coming, but they're really pushing that Zion button because again, you have guys like like Devin Booker, um, Jason Tatum, mm-hmm. who else? Um, even John Moran, who I like. I really like personally. Yeah, that's a bad dude. Um, I mean, you have Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray. You have Donovan Mitchell. But all those guys are kind of – they're kind of the same person to me, just in terms of star power and personality. Um, None of them really have – yeah, right, right. I mean, none of them really have, like, even a Steph Curry feel to them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Now, like, of course, my comments on Steph Curry are well documented, but in all ser- <laughs> in all seriousness, well I think, <laughs> and obviously he's proven me wrong so far. I mean, right now they're what six in the West, so if he makes it to the playoffs, I mean, hey, that that proves me wrong. But besides that, I I feel like with him, he checks every single box. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like he checks all those boxes. Me, it's just I need to see him carry the team to the playoffs by himself, quote unquote, mm-hmm. to really check that last box. But none of those other younger guys really can really fill those shoes to me. Cause I think they're just or even like an AD, right? I mean he just kind of wants to play basketball and that's it. He just lets he lets LeBron kind of be LeBron and be the star when he really should be the one to take up that mantle. But I don't think he really wants to. He just He's kind of more reserved and just wants to play basketball, right? That's what's wrong with KD, too, because he's just and, a hooper. He just wants and to. Then, yeah, KD, KD just wants to hoop, and that's great, and that's fantastic, but that's why he can't be the face of the league, because he just wants to hoop. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's all he wants to do. Even James Harden, like, really, you can say what we want. People think he was wearing a fat suit, the nutty professor suit <laughs> <laughs> in Houston, but he really just wants to play ball and go to the strip club. Like, that's all he wants to do. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> the fat suit on, he showed up to Brooklyn like slim and trim. Slim, yeah, right. slim and trim, right? Yeah, I was like, dude. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just think if you really take a deep look at the league, I mean, if you take LeBron out, obviously Steph Curry would probably take up that mantle, but he's 32 years old. <clears throat> so who would be the who would really be the next one to take up that mantle? 
and take and really be the one to take that pressure off everybody else so they can just do whatever they want. So I think you're really seeing the true power of LeBron James in that he really takes the brunt of that, the face of be, being the face of the league. And it allows these other stars to just kind of be, be the anti-hero or, you yep. know, the anti-LeBron and all of that. You know what I'm saying? Like they, it allows them to be who they are. So if I'm the NBA, I'm, I'm kind of shaking in my boots a little bit. You're kind of hoping maybe somebody else comes along or, or, or Zion really pans out. Like right now he's, I mean, he's young. He's, he's doing a lot of dunks. Mm-hmm. Very exciting, but. Yeah. Made his first three of the season. I think it was the other night. Right, right, right. So, but I, right now I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing face of the league. I'm seeing a little bit more Blake Griffin. And that, and I hate to say that because I don't want that to be a knock on him. I think he could still have like, be considered a great player and have a hall of fame career and all of that. But when you're talking about being the face of the league, Mm-hmm. You need to be that guy. He's not even Period. the best player on his team, right? Like, really, I, I think Brandon Ingram is. That's a perfect example, and he can't be the face of the New, of New Orleans Pelicans because he just, he don't say nothing. He yep. just want the ball, yep. which is perfectly fine. That's baby KD right there, you know? right? Right, right, which is perfectly fine. But if you're talking about being the face of the league, you have to be willing to take up those other responsibilities and be willing to, you know, have that not necessarily a great relationship with the media, but be able to at least play the media savvy games with the media and, and do all of that and, and kind of be that guy. So that that's how I view it. I think in, if you're really looking towards the future, you look at the younger players in the league, who's really, who's that guy? I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's Zion, but I mean, it, it's a, it's really a, a, a troubling thing if i'm adam silver and i'm looking ahead i'm like man we're probably just going to push this international thing (laughs) because i don't know yeah so that's my thoughts on it coach k do you think the nba future is in doubt and and if not then who do you think is qualified to step up to kind of take that mantle from lebron once he's done um Uh, for me, I don't know. I, I feel like the face of the NBA, and I do believe that the NBA future is in some sort of doubt, <clears throat> um, or it, it just, or it just won't get any 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 popular than it is right now. Um, I think of what has made the NBA so great. Um, at least for me, is just like. Um, I'm all about storyline and narrative. And like right now, uh, I say back when Cleveland won, like that was a great story. The fa- I feel like the, whoever the face of the league is, they always have some type of challenge to overcome. For LeBron, it was always like getting a championship for Cleveland. And he finally did that, you know, when they beat the Warriors um, the second time they played them in the finals. Uh, you know, I mean, we know this, we already know the story narrative with Michael Jordan. We know the story narrative with Kobe and can he win a ring without Shaq? What's the narrative now? I don't know. Um, and, and like, you try, I feel like the league has tried to push different people. Like they tried to push Giannis, but 
I look at Giannis, I'm like, nah, bro, he ain't it. Second <laughs> round exit every year. Yeah, yeah. And it's like there's no progression with like um with some of these players who are who've been kind of like um cho- the like chosen to kind of like be the next um <clears throat> to be the next you know face of the league. And I mean maybe it's maybe it's a little too early to tell. Um who knows, maybe Steph could kind of get back to prominence. Maybe the Warriors could because he was kind of being pushed that way. Um, and um, I don't know. I don't have faith in Zion. <clears throat> um, I think Luka kind of remains to be seen. I don't, I definitely don't have any faith in uh, um, Giannis. <laughs> and I think or, I have more – I have. Hmm? Or Paul George, right? Or Paul George. Oh, man. He don't even. He's not. He's not. Yeah. Yeah. I man. <laughs> I I got more faith in Carlos Boozer than, than oh, uh, Paul. That's Stokes. saying a lot coming from this <laughs> Wow. Yeah. But um. Yeah, I'm just. <clears throat> I look at it because I don't know. I feel like even. I feel like even Kawhi was kind of being pushed there to a certain extent, but I don't think I don't even think Kawhi cares about that. Kawhi um, don't talk, man. He can't have the face of the league and don't talk. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't, you can't. And um, you know, now I feel like the different stories, some of the different stories that I cared about this year, like like, all right, can Kyrie and KD actually, you know, take the Nets to a championship? They got James Harden. I don't. I don't necessarily care about that story anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't. You know, um, if anything, I just want to see them lose. Um, but yeah, uh, and who knows? Maybe it's maybe it's like uh, I feel like maybe there could be like a, a dead spot maybe for a little while after LeBron leaves until until they get some things figured out because I mean, cause right now it's just like which superstar teams want to beat the other superstar team. I think that's what it's going to end up being just the way the, um, the league is heading now, but I don't know. I, I, I guess as much as I hate to say it, I kind of, I kind of hope that maybe after LeBron, you know, moves on, maybe, maybe Steph can kind of do something again with the Warriors. That's uh, very doubtful, but I mean, I, don't know. I think he's the the way he's been playing this year. I think he's the closest thing we might actually have to having something, you know, similar to like you know, kind of like the story, the narrative I was talking about, where somebody has something to overcome. Because to me, he has something to prove to everybody. Because everybody says, "Oh, he can't carry a team through to a championship." Well, I mean, now's his chance to do it. Um, I, I mean, and that's that's just my thoughts. So, oh, one one other thing. Sorry, I I mean, I, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. You were about to talk about Ty Lue, was you? <laughs> no, you know. like Ty Lue is definitely not the face of the league. <laughs> that's why you don't like Kyrie. That's why you don't love Kyrie is because you like Ty. <laughs> Ty Lue. That's another. Man, it, actually, maybe that's the narrative. Maybe Ty Lue can prove that he's actually a coach. That's, oh, man. 
coach. 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 Future the NBA is in trouble. I just don't think we're going to see a huge increase in revenue from a business perspective. I don't think you'll see a big increase in revenue once LeBron retires. To your point, Coach Natty T, he allows other people to just kind of be them and for Kyrie to be out. Because really, when people had a big problem, it was when LeBron sat for two weeks. Oh, you could imagine if LeBron said, Oh, man, you know, I, I just got to go away for two weeks. They'd be like, Wait, what? Because he did that yeah. years ago. He in, did. In, in Cleveland. And yeah. I, I, I'm, he literally took Yeah, because he was off. hanging out in Miami with D-Wade. Exactly. Yeah. And everyone went nuts. Nuts. It's like, no, 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 you can't do that. No, no. Like, you're too valuable to be doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do agree with that sentiment. The NBA has experienced this before. There was a, a law after Jordan retired and before yep. LeBron was drafted. So we're not going to count Wizards, Jordan, because I was, a, even though he was still good, he wasn't, and he was still bringing in rev, you know, revenue and watchers for Wizards games, people watching the Wizards for like the very first time ever, and because Michael Jordan was there. But there was a little <laughs> bit of a law, you know, from the 99 season until about 2003. And you had Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, Allen Iverson, Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, Stephon Marbury, all those people holding the league down for a while because you still had a lot of young talent that kept the NBA afloat. And so they marketed it not as an individual face of the league, but a face by committee, if you will, of the league. And so, you know, how some teams have running back committee, you know, by committee, they don't have one premier running back. They have a couple that they're going to utilize to get the job done. That's exactly what the NBA is going to do. One, because they have to do it. But two, they actually, they do have the talent to do it. They're in a very similar position as they were in 99 in the early 2000s before LeBron got there. And even when LeBron got there, there was a lot of hype, but, you know, he had to, then the narrative started to shift on him a little bit because he had a great first game. Zion had a great first game too. Uh, But I will say that the Warriors getting back to full strength with Clay being able to play next season and the assembling of the Nets is also going to keep the the league afloat because every, every, you know, comic, you have to have someone to hate within the process. And LeBron people can't hate on him, but Oh, those Warriors, I hated the Warriors. They're back. And I can't believe they're all three on the same team in Brooklyn. They're going to hate. People, now there's a there's someone to hate on whether on either side. But then the narrative is like you can focus on these superstar teams to be able to keep you afloat for a while. Just like when Jordan was gone and before LeBron rose to prominence, it was even drafted, the Lakers were a hated team because they kept winning championship after championship after championship. Now, the Eastern Conference was kind of in, in a, uh, a carousel because then, you, you know, you had the Sixers one year, the Nets uh, one, you know, a couple years, then you had the Pacers, stuff like that. But you had the Spurs, which weren't exciting basketball. But you had the Lakers who were exciting basketball. 
Now you have, you could have the Warriors and the Nets both playing exciting basketball. And now it's like, who's going to get the best of who? Or is there a dark horse? Is it finally Zion's turn? Is Luka going to rise to prominence now? Is I, I can see there still being some binge-worthy storylines in the NBA. It's not going to be the same because it's hard to replace a LeBron James. But eventually you'll find it. That person's going to come up. People said the same thing after Jordan retired. I don't, I, I do agree, agree with Coach Knighty T. I think they're going to focus a little bit more on a, po- a global popularity in hopes that they'll increase some of their business and their interest. Mm-hmm. But I actually think they're better positioned now than they were when Jordan retired. So I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be all right. So what about, uh, actually, a question with, uh, what about, you know, because with COVID, you know, does that, I mean, I think it hurts, but, you know, how do you think that changes the game plan? Because I think, to your point, and I, and I, and I agree, because, I mean, you know, especially being uh, me and you, JP3, Allen Iverson years, man. Totally honest, like, in terms of popularity and fanfare, I felt like, at least amongst the you know, that urban, that hip hop community or just the, the young people at that time that, you know, grew up on hip hop like that. Mm-hmm. AI was more popular than Michael Jordan, dare yeah. I say. Yeah. So, but I, I feel like, you know, with, it wasn't a pandemic, mm-hmm. you know? So th- how does that affect what their game plan is? Because I think you're still going to need you know, because there's not going to be fans in, in the stands. And I, I don't see that happening like how we know of fans that come to a game before. You know, how does that change the 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 game plan of, of the NBA going forward? Yeah, I think one thing that is not necessarily the NBA's sole responsibility, when you mention Allen Iverson, and man, like that, that was... That was <laughs> man, I'll tell you. Good and Lord. We introduce you to, to Coach Ooh. Boogie. Uh, being, uh, you haven't met him yet. He hasn't been on the show yet. But Allen Iverson was also his guy. Oh, man. So many people patting their games off of Allen Iverson. What Steph Curry is doing now, Iverson been done that. It was just in a different way. He had cats literally not shooting the basketball, just dribbling, just <laughs> going outside and dribbling. It wasn't, I'm about to drop 40 on you. It was about, I'm about to cross you up. Like that was that was the the playground argument, but and he was also villainized a little bit by the executives in the NBA, especially you know Stern uh, and his dress code in a way. And players are allowed to do whatever they want now, pretty much with that. But what I think is going to be an Achilles heel of the NBA is the things that extend from the NBA. Now, what I mean by that is Allen Iverson created a brand of his own and use the NBA to help further that brand. So I remember he was the reason why I wore braids in high school. Is Allen Iverson. Yeah, I felt like I was the only black kid in Columbus, Ohio that got his hair cut. That's because like you, like you were. You <laughs> were. I felt like everybody was <laughs> How many times in church did I ask you, like, you won't get them braids? But you're like, like, I'm going to just keep it like this, man. I'm going to just keep it short. (laughs) Yeah. 
that, that's, that's no, but that's but that's real though, like straight up. And I'm pretty sure you know it's pretty similar around the country. Because when you think of Iverson, you think of not only the basketball thing, but you you think about the street ball. You think of the the fashion that AI, you know, Reebok and Iverson, man, like that was a high time for Reebok. Like he helped kind of this really cements Reebok in the basketball world more than Sean Kemp and Shaquille O'Neal could ever do, right? And so he did that, and and also on top, I mean, he had people. I wore headbands and armbands to school and didn't even <laughs> touch a basketball. Like, like that, that's that's how big it was. Like because he he impacted fashion in so many different ways that he brought basketball fashion, quote unquote, to casual fashion. He merged those two things together. But he was able to carry things off the court. When you think of the iconic commercials, it's AI and Jada Kiss. Like in the commercial, dribbling the basketball, like where you're merging hip hop and the NBA together. I there's potential for that to happen, but it's not happening right now. Could Dane be that person? Yeah, he can rap. He has a a a very confident demeanor about him, and he's also like very likable. He has a good connection to the kind of like the hip hop and basketball bridge that he could do that. I mean, he's just a beast on the court, too. Like, I, I think the NBA is going to have to capitalize more on some of that um, to complement the talent that it's putting on, that's put on the court. I mean, when's the last time you've seen a commercial for a shoe with a basketball player in it? Mm. You used to yeah. see them all the time, right? Yeah. You don't really see yeah. that anymore. You don't see those. Well, so you know, maybe maybe this can carry over to next week's show. Okay. So, because you're you're talking and you're right. Um, do you think social media, because of the social media environment that we live in today, mm-hmm. right? You know how much of that is because of social media, because. I think part of the popularity during that time was just the, dare I say, nostalgic feel of it. Mm-hmm. Because because it wasn't just, you know, with social media, I feel like things are just in your face 24-7. They seem to get over things really quickly. Yes. You know what I mean? And I think that's part of what, you know, with, with, uh, with Michael, with, with MJ, I think he just came up at the perfect time mm-hmm. in the 90s, mm-hmm. you know, part of the mystery of who he was and even just the whole Last Dance documentary, like right. us finding out about all that stuff. But the fact that nobody really knew besides like, you know, reporters, but nobody really reported on it like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A part of that mystery and intrigue is what gave the popularity so much power. Mm-hmm. that makes sense mm-hmm. even with Allen Iverson because you know that early 2000s you know I mean you know there were cell phones but we didn't really have social media like that right so is that you know could has is that hurting or helping the NBA it, I think, you know what I mean it's a little bit of both because I don't think it's being properly utilized from an individual athlete perspective yeah because I mean does it have does it have the same impact as it did 
back then when you had an Allen Iverson, when you had even even Kobe and Shaq. I mean, obviously, you you know, they had a lot of haters, but I mean, listen, Lakers fandom is still pretty strong, right? I mean, yes. you know, and even, you know, Magic and Larry going back to the 80s and then MJ in the 90s, like those guys, it just seemed like the, the power of those guys were just a lot bigger than the guys now. Yeah, I, I think it would be smart if, because like, you look at the sales of Harden shoes and KD shoes and Lillard shoes, et cetera. I mean, they're not, they're not up there. Like you had people that had no interest in playing basketball, but they loved Allen Iverson. So they were going to rock the questions. Yeah. Regardless if they, if they played or not, just because it was like, people aren't wearing those shoes casually like that. And that's the problem, even with LeBron, but LeBron is so great on the court that it kind of balances itself out that hey, you could wear my shoes for basketball purposes and that's it and it's still going to be fine. Mm-hmm. But after that, I think it would be, I think there's points in time that we see in culture where we reach back into the past to amplify the present. I think it would bode people well for these individual athletes to market themselves on some of the major television networks <laughs> so than just on social media ads. To your point that we scroll past things so many times that we're not used to, but if I'm watching something and I am also inundated with, I'm in the mood thinking about basketball, I'm watching you on the court. And what is that that you're wearing? I get to see that. I get to see that in a different form. Cause right now those skills aren't being highlighted. Like they are like, when you think of, Joel Embiid and Damian Lillard, you think of Hulu has live sports, right? That's pushing Hulu, but that's not pushing the stuff that Damn they are responsible for creating, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think they need to do more merchandise pushing and do it in a way that they are contracting with the Hulus, the YouTube TVs and all these things and all these entities. They're gonna say, hey, when those ads roll across your screen, because people talk about cable phasing out. So maybe traditional commercials aren't going to be as effective like on cable networks. But if you're able to do it through these streaming services where it's literally just talking about you and your brand, I think we can get somewhere. I think we can get back to that. I think, um, actually, I um, what you said, Coach JP3, um, <clears throat> I think it made me realize like, I feel like players need to invest more in their personal in <clears throat> in their personal brands because um, I feel like I don't really see that. I mean, unless you're like on social media all the time, like, are you really going to be invested in, in who that player is? And kind of like what you said is just like um, through advertising and everything like that. I mean, and the and the reason I think the reason that the NBA was so popular too back in the day is uh, <clears throat> is crossover. Shaq I think Shaq is a perfect example of that too I mean you saw how many how many albums did he drop I mean how many movies you know has he been in like different things like that and even like such a big personality too it's hard it's hard to kind of like yeah overlook Shaq just from a personality standpoint Mm -hmm. well I okay perfect example here is like me I hated Draymond Green but when I saw (laughs) (laughs) it 
But when I started to see more of him, like, you know, on inside the NBA, I was like, oh, okay, actually, he's kind of cool. He's good. Um, he's really good at that. Yeah, he is. He is. Um, and I think another thing, too, is if we want to – if you want to get um, – is make the NBA more accessible. And how do you do that? I was like, okay, well, if you're going to do, um, you know, do like the NBA TV – maybe um, run like a partnership deal like with YouTube or something or you know different streaming services to you know if you buy if you get like a um if you have a membership with like Prime or like um, Disney Plus or something like that or like even Hulu um you get like the NBA pass or like a basic level NBA pass or something where you get to see like certain games or different things like that and I think I think that'll kind of open it up to 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 be more accessible to other people. I mean, because not everybody has has the type has the type of money to to get like um um you know like the NBA league pass and different things like that. Another thing I think is kind of cool. I mean, one thing that I have like them I I do like them doing is just like they actually started uploading game like full games onto um you know like uh actual like on youtube different things like so you can actually see the full game mm -hmm. um but uh for me i, I want to be invested in in who the uh different players are I mean, obviously like for me i love dame but uh i want to see him i guess at the same token too like i do i do need to see like um i want to see dame win and, like do something in the postseason but mm -hmm. uh, i just uh, getting getting them to showcase more of their character through like you know TV spots, different things like that, uh, kind of gives you the opportunity to, you know, kind of fall in love with the uh, with the players, so to speak. Yeah, and I, I think that's a really good point that you brought up about the partnerships, the streaming partnerships, in terms of how you consume the NBA. Because I don't care, even if I was rich. I would still look at the NBA league pass and be like, that's really expensive. Especially when you have a league that is okay with players taking games off. So if I'm paying this price, but I, if I'm paying premium price, but not getting the premium to premium quality of the players playing every night, then we have a problem, right? If, if you're allowed to just, and this is, I'm not talking COVID stuff. I'm talking about just people wanting to, to, rest, to take rest. Like I, that, that's going to, that's going to turn me off from, from paying for that product. Cause you can't guarantee me that I'm going to get the best talent out there. Mm -hmm. But if it's already packaged deal, like with, uh, I love watching shows on ESPN plus, but I got it because it was paired with, um, Disney plus and Hulu. So I got a package deal, pay X amount of dollars per month. I think that's, that's a great deal for me. But now I'm able to consume all these other shows and watch KD's boardroom and, and Peyton Manning do his, his detail and Peyton's play shows. Like those are really good quality <clears throat> shows, mm -hmm. but it's because they made it accessible and affordable for a lot of people to your point. I, I think that, that's, the, that's a very good, and I think that's the way that the NBA needs to, to have. You see the NFL experimenting a little bit with that right now. Mm -hmm. that, like for that, um, was it the 49ers game a few weeks ago into the season? It was on Amazon Prime. 
Like you weren't able to watch it anywhere else unless you, it was Amazon Prime. So yeah, Amazon, you were able to, to view that. And so I think they're testing to see how successful that is. And I'm wondering if the NBA is going to follow suit with certain games, just mm-hmm. to experiment to see how successful it is. Yeah. I think that's the difference between, and that's part of the difference. I, we <laughs> we kind of got real last week with the differences, but um, I do think the NFL, this is where they do a good job, specifically with the American audience. They, they understand how to connect with the common viewer, mm-hmm. where the NBA, I think, I don't know. I don't think it does as good of a job of that. I think <clears throat> it relies on social media. I think it relies on um, not necessarily the a younger crowd, but I do think, in the same sense, they've marketed themselves in a way to where it's not as accessible to Coach K's point. So, for example. Um, the Warriors, you know, they left Oakland, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously COVID. But, you know, last year, because they were talking about how, you know, a lot of those fans that were there in Oakland, they can't, they can't even afford a ticket to go to the game in San Francisco. Right. So I feel like the NBA has made this shift to try to target this, like, middle, upper middle class, Mm-hmm. upper class you know mm-hmm. trying to target like those casual fans rather than your common NBA fans who mm-hmm. have been there from day one from day one I feel like they're abandoning that right. a bit yes slightly um so I, I I feel like that's that's starting to backfire a little bit mm-hmm. um and, and part of it, as much as what we, we had the show last week and, you know, our thoughts are well-documented. <laughs> we have a lot of well-documented thoughts on the show. <laughs> we do, we do. But I do think another wrinkle to that as well, um, when you saw the, the viewership, mm-hmm. it's multifaceted, but I think that's part of it. You know, I, I think some of your, your hardcore NBA fans, and yeah, I mean, again, People can disagree with us if they want. You know, hit us up on social media, I guess. That's right. But um, I, I, I think there's an underlying feeling of there's a disconnect between that common NBA fan and the NBA because I do I do feel like they they kind they're kind of abandoning that that core group of fans. I really do. Yeah. Whether it's through merchandising, mm-hmm. to to both of your points about. Um, you know, the NBA uh, viewership on T or not the viewership, but the, the NBA league pass, NBA TV, like, for example, I, you know, my wife and I, we have Verizon Fios. Mm-hmm. NFL Network's on there. Yep. And we don't have like the crazy, like we, we don't pay for like the extra crazy package. We have pretty much the, the pretty normal package that gets you most of your sports channels and you know most of your reality TV channels and all that, NFL NFL networks on there, mm. but you got to pay extra for the NBA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I think that the NFL has really positioned themselves to be, you know what? We're going to be part of the common everyday viewer um, lifestyle. Yes, you're going to be a part of that. Like they're going to scroll through, and 
oh yeah, the NFL's on. You know what I mean? Yeah. They got it on, on Thursday nights. They got it on two channels. They got it's on CBS yep. and on NFL Network. Yep. You're <laughs> one way or another. <laughs> right, even during the playoffs, even during the playoffs, because I was kind of freaked out for a second because I was like, wait, what the heck? When um when the Ravens were playing the Titans, mm-hmm. it was on ABC and on ESPN. Yep. <laughs> I'm not saying the NBA needs to do that, but I think they need to take a, a page out of the NFL's book. They, yeah. they marketed themselves to the common fan. And I don't think the common NFL fan feels a disconnect with the NFL, whereas I think the NBA does. And that really builds off of what I was thinking when it came to the commercials, when I was talking about athletes and commercials. No, you're right. You're right. Because when you said that, I was like, Dang, when is the last time I seen a like sneaker commercial for right. an NBA player? I I have to pull up old ones on YouTube. <laughs> but you know what you have seen? I've seen <laughs> Patrick Mahomes uh, in Head and Shoulders commercials. I've seen yeah. Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and State Farm commercials. I've seen Dak, Dak Prescott sell mattresses. I've seen um, Baker Mayfield with Progressive Insurance acting like the stadium is his home. Those all are things relatable to the common person, yeah. right? And their relevancy is not based and leveraged off of them playing it being football season. Mm-hmm. It's that they are connecting with me all year long. Yeah, and you get some new, and they'll spice it up in the season because I know people are going to be, more people are going to be even more people are going to be watching. But they make sure those commercials are constantly in flux. 24 7 365 mm-hmm. in the nba I, I can't really think of someone that's been in a commercial outside of an nba act an actual nba commercial yeah i mean really it's just chris paul on state farm but i mean but chris paul is oh, like, that, that should like somebody else should have took taken that mantle already yes you know yes he is yeah. not as connected to the to, to this generation especially this new viewership generation as some of these other people, as Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers is yeah. in, in football. Yeah. Look, let me ask this question. So as for <laughs> so as much as I I mean, as much as it costs to, for the NBA League Pass, and then like when you actually watch it, it looks like I'm I'm watching a game of 2K. No commentary. Uh I mean, obviously, <laughs> I don't know. I think I think if you're gonna if you have to pay that premium, like you should you should be able to enjoy like I say for all the games like some type of some level of commentary, and which actually leads me to my next point, like how how lucrative is this NBA deal with TNT? Like, is it really necessary that every game has to be played on the? I guess I'm. I guess if I'm if I'm in the NBA, I mean, if I'm like Adam Silver or like one some of the higher ups, I'm thinking like, why don't we just dissolve this relationship and just you know try to and and make our base games available on like I mean obviously ESPN and then like ABC, you know CBS, whatever kind of like what the NFL is doing because you have you have more. Inf- well, I would do that, and then also I would look at like shortening the season like if he like you're only going to want to see mostly like marquee matchups 
Um, so, I mean, what's the point in playing like, you know, 80, like a, a season over, I would say, 50 games? It's a good question. I, I do it's think that I mean, they yeah. benefit from the TV contracts a lot. So they, yeah. I don't think they would completely dissolve a relationship with no. TNT. And but plus, they, inside the NBA is, I think that that carries some of the league's popularity. It helps a lot. Yeah. Charles and Shaq yeah. and Kenny help, help carry some of the league's popularity. Yeah. They would not let that one go. No, I'm just mm-hmm. saying, but doesn't need to be on TNT. No, a, no I mean, that, that's a, it's a thought because, I mean, whew. Because, I, because I, again, I, I think kind of going back to the social media thing. I mean, I think just with with, with anything, right? Oversaturation is a problem sometimes. Because mm-hmm. again, I, I think we 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 get so caught up in oh, we got to be we got to be out on on the front of people's minds at all time. Where sometimes when you're not when you're kind of out of sight out of mind and then you just pop up and then come back and then pop up like sometimes that, mm-hmm. that creates more of a buzz yeah while you're kind of not in that limelight it's like oh man what's so-and-so doing because because everybody else is kind of like in your face in your face in your face you know sometimes it could have that opposite effect but i mean i i don't know it's interesting that's true that's interesting and i, I feel that this is going to be the uh one of many conversations we're going to have about oh, yeah, sure. progress. Because I, I, I think the NBA needs to make some moves to keep up with the times. And I know that sounds weird because usually we talk about the NBA in such a progressive context. But yeah, to, to your all's point, I think they're a little bit behind the curve in a couple of these areas as far as league sustainability. And I think with any good business, you don't want it to be dependent on individuals' presence but your continuity of making sure that you're providing uh, the same type of cognitive and emotional connection with people who love your game, love what you do, love your company. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And so it's going to be interesting to see how, how the NBA is going to leverage this within the next few years. And as it happens, we will be talking about it here on the coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on behalf of, of Coach Natty T and Coach K. I'm your host, Coach JP3. Uh, we'll see you next week. Actually, we got a, um, an interview with our, our Columbus Blue Jackets Director of Legal Affairs, uh, Peter Lovins. Watch out for that interview. That will be dropping next week. Um, should be next Wednesday. Uh, and then next weekend, we'll have a special NFL uh, Super Bowl preview show uh, and analysis. So, bye all the coaches. See y'all later. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Be blessed, y'all.